Matthew thirteen forty four to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, when he sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. This is God's word. Morning, church. I want to play a little game uh, just to get us uh, moving again and uh, have your minds sharp, make sure you're paying attention. And this is a game of choices, okay? So there's no prize. I mean, every, everybody who's not an adult today gets a prize. So you don't have to worry about that. That prize is in here. We'll talk about that later. Um, but uh, this is just, you can just shout out to your friends or to whoever what you would choose, okay? So on the screen, I'm going to put two choices, and you just have to say out loud what you would choose. First one, steak or sushi? Oh, close one. All right, guys, they get tougher from here on in, okay? Apple or Android? Family trip around the world or a new car? All right. Taylor Swift or Imagine Dragons? This is tough. <laughs> going to a Leafs game or going to the dentist? Uh, I made some friends and some enemies in that one. I'm the kind of person that loves choices. My two favorite aisles in the grocery store are the cereal aisle, because I love cereal and there's so many great things. And it's like, you know, can I choose the right amount of like bits and flakes and of course protein and fiber and how many marshmallows do you get per bite? Like that's important. And then the sauce aisle, like Jen's always saying to me, why do we need another sauce in our house? But that, yeah, those of you that are sauce people know, you can't ever have enough of those. So uh, those are my two favorite things in the aisle. And actually, if, you, if you've grown up here in North America and Canada, or if you've traveled in, in many parts of the world, actually, what you will see everywhere is that we have more choice in front of us than ever, than perhaps any generation before us. You can choose what you're going to eat for breakfast. Perhaps you went into the cupboard this morning and there were a myriad of choices that you could have chosen to eat. You can choose what clothes you're going to wear. Perhaps you opened your cupboards and there was, should I wear these shorts with this pants or whatever? Maybe you didn't ask for help. Maybe you should have uh, this morning. But you can choose what you're going to wear. Maybe you can choose what you're going to do with your time, what you're going to do this summer. Many of us have more choices than ever. And in fact, what doctors are telling us is you would think that the more choices we have, the happier we would be. Because the more options we have, well, the more delighted we are, well, I can find the exact one that's going to make me exactly happy. But doctors are actually telling us, and people who are mind doctors called psychologists and psychiatrists are saying that because we have more choice than we have ever had before, that there's a couple of things that we're fighting with and battling with that we've never battled with before. That, in fact, the greater amount of choice makes us more anxious about the choices we make because we're trying to know, oh, no, is this the perfect thing for me? Is this, if I don't choose right, I have all these choices, what if I make the wrong choice? And perhaps some of us have had that experience of choosing something and later thinking, oh man, why did I choose that? Or I should have chosen something else. However many flavors of ice cream there are, or cereal, or sauces, or clothes, or sometimes even the people that we're going to spend the rest of our lives with. Many of us are so anxious thinking, what if I get it wrong? There's too many choices out there. And psychologists are telling us that actually we have a lot of anxiety where we feel nervous and frustrated because we're not sure whether we're going to get it right. And what if we don't get it right? And in fact, what they've found is a woman who buys a dress that she knows she can't return actually enjoys it more than a woman who knows she, has, she could return it. 
Because not knowing, knowing that you don't have any other options means, okay, well, I'll just enjoy this one. But thinking that you could possibly return it, and many things that we buy today, we can take back. And so that creates another set of anxiety. Now if I have to return it, i got to make sure. Now I know. Now, I, now I'm informed. i got to make sure I get this choice right the second time. And so there's anxiety that comes with our choices. But then doctors also tell us there's a lot of discontentment that comes with the choices we make because we think, ah, oh, this isn't as good as the other thing I could have chosen. We're frustrated because we knew we had options and we didn't exercise them properly. And this is a very unique problem only for people really who have all kinds of choice to make in the world. And we find that we are more anxious than other people who have less choice and we're more discontent with the choices we've made. Sometimes, and maybe you've experienced this, that we have regret when we can't undo some of the choices we made. Some things we can take back and return, other things we can't undo. And perhaps we'll be frustrated or beat ourselves up about making a wrong choice or why didn't I think more? Why didn't I ask for more input? Why didn't I take longer to make that decision? Wouldn't it be great if there was just one choice to make? And it, it was one choice that we would never regret. So we would choose it and we would know this is the best thing for me. I'll never regret this. It's a choice that would actually make all the other choices seem a little bit easier to make. It's the choice that we know is the most important thing, is the best thing, that nothing will ever be better than this. So if I choose it, I will never be discontent because I'll know this was best. Wouldn't it be great if there was just one choice to make? Well, actually, in the story that Peter read for us this morning, it's one of the stories that Jesus told. And how many of you know what, what they named the stories of Jesus? Yes, Peter. Parables. Now, the parables of Jesus were not real stories. They were pretend stories about fictitious people. There was a man, there was a woman, there was a judge, there was a so-and-so. Stories that we might tell to each other to entertain each other. But the stories of Jesus are different than any other story that you'll hear. First of all, they're told by someone who loves us. And maybe you've had the opportunity of, of hearing a story from someone who loves you. But more than just a story of someone who loves you that might want to distract you for a little bit or take your mind off of something, the stories of Jesus are actually told to us because Jesus wants more for us. He wants us to have more. That desire we have to be better, to know better, to do better, to have more, Jesus actually wants that even more than we want for ourselves. And so he tells us these stories, not only because he loves us, but he, because he wants more for us. And the story that Jesus tells today about this man who buy, finds a treasure in a field is about one choice, a man who had one choice to make, and he made it. Now, the verses Peter read for you were quite short, but let me retell the story for you. Imagine there's this guy, and he goes to work every day. Now, his job that he has, he kind of likes it, kind of doesn't like it, no big deal. It's just sort of a regular part of his life. And every day when he walks to work, because there's no cars or bicycles, he takes a shortcut through this field. Now, the field is owned by somebody else. He doesn't know this guy, but he always takes this shortcut. And one of the things he does to pass the time, because it's kind of a long walk to work, is he picks up stones along the way, and there's this wood pile that he passes every day that he chucks rocks into, just like because he, he likes to hear the sound of the rocks hitting the wood. And so the man is taking his shortcut on the way to work, and he's chucking rocks, and he hears the sound of rocks hitting wood, and all of a sudden he hears ting, 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 different sound than he's heard before. So he stops and he takes a few more rocks and he throws a whole bunch of them into this pile. Ting, 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 ting. Different sound than he's heard before. He looks around, he walks over and he starts to move the branches and piles of wood away. And underneath all of this wood and stuff that he had passed every day is a pile of treasure. Diamonds, silver, gold, 
Pokemon cards, like what you could never expect to find. And immediately the first thing he does is he looks around and thinks, am I the only one who knows this is here? He's looking around. There isn't anybody in sight. He knows it's not his property, but it's at the way far back of some field that doesn't seem to be occupied by anyone, but somebody owns it. So this is what he does. He piles all the wood back up. If he had a cell phone, he would have called his boss and said, I'm not coming into work today, but he didn't. So he just, he runs home. Runs home, goes through his house, pulls everything out of his house, gets a big, uh, like a wagon with a horse, dumps all of his stuff, everything he owns in his house, into his now. I don't know if his wife and kids were like, what are you doing? But he was so happy, he's giddy. He's got this huge smile on his face. And he just keeps saying, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. Piles everything in his house into this wagon and drives it down the street to all of the merchants and he begins one by one selling everything that he had. And all the while he's doing it, he's got this big grin on his face. And everyone's thinking he's a bit crazy because in those small towns, everybody knew everybody. And so he's selling away every single thing until he gets to the end of the street and his wagon is empty. Now the man owns nothing, but he's a bunch of money that he got from selling all his stuff. And he drives over to the guy's house. He finds out who owns that piece of land. And he just says to him, oh, is it for sale? Now, the price of the land is a lot. The guy had to sell everything he owned to get it. So the man says to him, sure, it's $2 million. And he says, great, I have that in my pocket. Here, now he owns the land. And now whatever's on the land is also his, which means he now owns what too? The treasure. And this guy is running home, clicking his heels behind him. He's so happy that if people were to throw tomatoes at him and it would hit him in the face, he would say, hmm, ketchup. He was so happy. Everything was going right that day. Why? Because he had found something and that treasure was worth more than he could have ever earned in his entire life. So now suddenly he came upon a rich treasure that was worth more than anything he had ever found, anything he could have ever owned, everything he could have ever earned for himself. And so he sold everything he had and grabbed this treasure. Now Jesus tells this story and says to them this, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Now, he, sometimes he uses the phrase the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes he uses the phrase the kingdom of God, but they meant the same thing. What was the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? It was the world in a sense of God. It was the way that God thought. It was the way that God loved us. It was the way that God, it was the fact that God had created the world and God had given us this world to live in, that God had given us his son to forgive our sins. All of the things that we receive from God, Jesus said, are like someone finding a treasure that's worth more than anything they've ever seen in life. Now this picture of this man finding this treasure in this field and then going and selling everything he has and buying the field is a picture of what the Bible calls worship. Now, some of us, if you've grown up in the church, and we might even do this here, we sometimes use the word worship to describe singing. And we would say, okay, we're going to have a worship time now. But worship is far more than just singing. In fact, no matter if you're, if you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, whatever religious background you come from, do you know that every human being worships? Every human being has an instinct and an inclination and actually an, an inescapable desire to worship. And worship looks like different things. Worship is the reason people watch sports. 
right? When, when someone, you watch sports, maybe you're a big sports fan, and when something happens to your team, you grab your friend and you stand up and shout and scream at the top of your lungs. You give standing ovations. You cheer. You do crazy things. My sons are so embarrassed at me when we go to baseball games because I'm always like loud, you know? That's worship. It's something in front of us that we find beautiful or amazing or incredible, something that maybe is even bigger than ourselves that we think, well, I could never do that, or people go to the Olympics or whatever. People go to places like the Grand Canyon to worship. They want to see something that's so much bigger than themselves, that's so much more beautiful than themselves. But people also worship other things, like stuff that you can buy. And you think, well, that's weird. Isn't worship when people bow down to things? No, worship is when we say to something, you are the most valuable thing to me. You are worth my time, my energy, my money. You are worth giving myself to. And so in that sense, people worship all kinds of things. People can worship sports. People can worship uh, creation or nature. People can worship their job. They might think, I love this. I have to do everything I can to keep this job. It's the place that makes me feel fulfilled, satisfied, significant. The reason we worship things is because we get something from it. When we worship sports, we get a little bit of enjoyment and leisure, and maybe our life is difficult, and so we like to escape our lives for a little while and watch sports. Perhaps the reason we go on vacation is because we need a break from life. It's too busy. Some people, in a sense, might say, well, I, my job is, is, is what I worship because that's the place where I know I'm important, where I'm significant, where I'm making a difference, where somebody says to me, hey, you're good. Sometimes we, we worship the approval of other people, what other people think of us. Other people's opinions really matter to us. If they like us, if they think we're smart, if they think we're funny, if they think we're beautiful, if they think we're successful. Why? Because it makes us feel significant. It makes us feel like we're important people. The other thing we do sometimes is when we're in trouble, we'll go to that. We'll think, oh no, this is, this is what I need to keep me afloat. If, I, if I'm uh, worshiping the opinion of other people, sometimes I'll rehearse the good things that people have said to me. Or perhaps if I'm worshiping, you know, the stuff that I have, I'll check my bank account to make sure I'm going to have enough stuff as long as I live. Or I need to, if I'm feeling bad, I might go up and buy, out and buy things. <laughs> Some of us are compulsive shoppers because that makes us feel better when we're in trouble. It's like, I just need to go buy something new and shiny. Every one of us does it in big and small ways. And what Jesus was saying by telling this story, and here's the big idea. Those of you that are in Gospel Project know when we're teaching, we have this big idea. Here's the big idea. To worship God means that we enjoy him and desire him more than anything else in life. And that also means we try to get more and more of him. Right? Of all the things you could worship in life, in other words, Jesus says, of all the choices you have, understand that the most valuable thing is God. In other words, it's like finding treasure in a field that now everything else in this guy's house, he didn't care about anymore. He didn't even care about his bed that he had to sleep on. Everything was up for sale because he wanted that one thing. And Jesus is saying to them, listen, worshiping God is like, uh, like knowing God is like finding a treasure that is the greatest choice you could make more than anything else. When Jesus began to teach about the kingdom, he said something very interesting that was very strange to them to understand. He actually said, the kingdom of God is here. Many of them thought the kingdom of God was this future reality, this future time that was going to come, or maybe one day when a new king who was Israel, Israel would, would be on the throne and they wouldn't have to serve all these other countries that they were enslaved to. But Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, the kingdom of God is me. Jesus was telling them, knowing me is like finding gold. 
Knowing me is like really knowing who God is. Knowing me is having forgiveness. Knowing me is finding a purpose for your life. Knowing me is actually having the thing that you crave from every other choice that you make is found in me. And so Jesus was essentially telling them to worship him. Now, if you had a friend, say one of you, how many of you are sitting next to somebody who's a friend of yours or a sibling? Okay, so what if your friend said to me, look, said to you, look, I am the most important thing in life. I am like finding treasure. Because you have become my friend, you have found the most valuable thing in life, and so worship me. In fact, go home and sell everything you have and use the money on me. Is that a strange thing for somebody to say to you? What would you say that person is? Crazy, weird, yes, other words we can't say out loud. I'll get in trouble from your parents. But sometimes we say, well, that's really proud. Or someone's boasting if they're saying, I'm so beautiful, I'm so amazing, you should sell everything you have in life. In fact, the greatest thing you've ever found in life is me. That sounds very arrogant. Why isn't it arrogant for Jesus to say that? Because Jesus said that. The kingdom of heaven, finding me is like finding treasure, the greatest thing in life. Why is he the only person that can say that? And it's not arrogant, proud boasting. Here's why. Because if you treasure anything else in life, it will eventually hurt you. If you treasure what other people say about you, if that's the most important thing, some days you'll have great days because maybe people like you or they've said nice things to you. But other days, you'll be destroyed. You'll be so sad because someone has said something mean to you or someone has rejected you. Or perhaps if you treasure what other people think about you, you might do things that you shouldn't do just to win their favor. Now, children, you think I'm talking to you, but I'm actually talking to your parents and just pretending to talk to you. Because as adults, we do this too. We treasure what other people think about us. We are, we are way too concerned about what our boss thinks about us or what our peer thinks about us or what our mother-in-law thinks about us or what our neighbor thinks about us or what our friend from high school from years back thinks about us. And if we treasure that and we say, oh, their opinion is the most important thing in life, we will end up hurting ourselves. We will ride a roller coaster of emotions. We'll be up when things are good. We'll be crashing down when people are upset with us. Or perhaps we will end up doing things we never thought we would do just to get favor. And so Jesus is saying, don't treasure that. If you treasure stuff, money, things, it's good to buy things, it's good to enjoy things, but you know what I've realized? When I buy something new, I'm really excited about it for a little while, and then after a while, I'm not that excited about it anymore. It's not shiny anymore. It kind of wears out, it gets old. Sometimes it even literally rusts. So if we, make, if we treasure stuff that makes us feel good, everybody feels good when we get something new. We get a new shirt, or we get a new toy, or we get a new something but then the new feeling fades away, the new smell goes away, and suddenly it's now, we gotta look after it, or maybe it rips, or it tears, or it breaks, or we lose it, or we get a stain on it, we're so frustrated, and then we gotta buy something new. And so it's an endless cycle of getting new stuff, and getting bored with the new stuff, and having to buy new things. So Jesus says, don't treasure stuff. Don't treasure, Jesus says, what you accomplish in life. Because you know what, sometimes you'll fail. And if your whole worth is what I've accomplished, what degree I've been able to get, what title I've been able to get, what promotion I've been able to get, what things I've been able to check off my list and say, I did this, sometimes we will fail. We'll not be able to do it. And we'll be so frustrated and disappointed with ourselves. And we'll be so sad and we can't even enjoy what we have accomplished. Or other people will say, well, that's good, but what are you going to do next? What have you done for me lately? Good, you hit your target. Great, you achieved your bonus. Great, you got it. Okay, next year comes. Do it again. 
Jesus says, don't treasure your accomplishments. It's a tiring way to live. The only thing that we can treasure and say and obsess about and say this is the most important thing in life that won't hurt us in the end is Jesus. Because when you treasure Jesus, when you worship Jesus, you find that he brings out new things over and over. You know, I've read the Bible for so many years since I was a little boy. And when I was really young, my parents said, read it. I didn't understand half of it, but I just read it anyway. I still don't understand half of it, but I still read it. And it does something to my heart the more I understand and know Jesus. The more I treasure him, there's new things that come every day in life. If they don't, Jesus doesn't wear out. The more I treasure Jesus, the more I find it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about me. The person of utmost significance died for me. He gave up his life for me. He loves me. He says I'm forgiven. I don't need to worry what other people think about me. The more I treasure Jesus, the more I become even like Jesus. And that's why if Jesus didn't tell you to worship him, he wouldn't be very loving. He would say, it's okay, you can get distracted by shiny things or what other people think about your accomplishments in life. But if Jesus really loves us, he's gonna tell us, look, the only thing worth giving your life for is the one who will take nothing from you, needs nothing from you, and wants everything for you. You'll not be used up, run out of money, run out of time, run out of energy if you treasure Jesus. Now you might say, okay, that, that sounds like something I'd hear in church. You're supposed to treasure Jesus. How do we do that? And you know what it said? What did it say that the man did? Those of you that have a Bible, you read the passage. When the man went to sell everything, what, what kind of attitude did it say he had? It used a three-letter word starting with J. Joy. He was full of joy. This guy was so excited. Nobody was looking at him going, that poor man. He has to sell everything he has. He has to sacrifice. He wasn't upset about anything he was giving away. Why? Because he knew he was getting something far more valuable. Do you see, Jesus calls us to worship him not because we should be obedient and it's the right thing to do. What? But because it gives us joy. It's the greatest thing in life. The more we worship Jesus, the more we begin to realize, wow, this is better than anything. It actually doesn't matter what's happening with the opinions of other people or whether I have a lot of money in the bank or a little bit of money in the bank. And yes, there are difficult times and sometimes I'm gonna cry, but I'm not devastated, I'm not destroyed. I actually have joy in my life because I've chosen the thing that is most valuable. You might say, okay, well, how do we worship Jesus? Because we don't buy Jesus. We're not gonna go sell everything we have and buy Jesus. So how do you worship Jesus? Now, there's a question on your, uh, your sheets. There is a riddle. Did you guys see that riddle? The riddle is this. What is more precious than gold but cannot be bought, earned, or saved? Anybody know the answer to that? I heard it over here. That's a good one, too. What's more precious than gold? But that's actually the point of the story, Isaiah. Time. Time is more precious than gold. Time is more valuable than money. Do you know why? Because if you run out of money, you can get more. Now, I, know, I know that's hard. It's not easy to do. But you can make more money. There's actually not a finite pool of money in the world that once it's gone, I'm, this is, we're going to get into economics here, but you know what I'm saying, okay? You can get more money. You could find another job. You could work two jobs, three jobs. You could make more money, but can you get more time? No. No matter how sex successful you are, no matter how powerful you are, no matter how important you are, everybody gets the same amount of time. Everybody gets 24 hours and seven days. Nobody can buy more time. It isn't like the rich people in the world go to the poor people and say, give me your time. I deserve it. 
Nobody can make more time, which is why it's more valuable than money. And when you spend time, you can't get it back, right? If you buy something and you don't like it, especially if it's from Costco, you can take back anything. It doesn't matter when. <laughs> but you cannot take back time. You can't get yesterday back. You can't get last year back. Things are fixed in time and they are, and in other words, so it's a resource that you can't get more of and it's running out. And none of us know when we'll have none left. And so the most important thing you can do with your time, in other words, is to spend your time to worship Jesus. To worship Jesus is actually to take what is most valuable to us and that we cannot get more of and worship Jesus. Now here's what I want to give you a suggestion to do. Some of you think, well, how do I spend my time to worship Jesus? Um, I grew up playing baseball when I was a kid, and I loved baseball. I'd eat, sleep, breathe baseball. My dad introduced it to me when he came to America. He got indoctrinated into uh, American sports and he was in Boston, fell in love with the Red Sox. And so I was raised to love baseball. Now, when I grew up, I thought, well, maybe my kids won't like baseball. My wife thought it was a silly game. Uh, it took forever to play. I didn't understand why everyone was standing around, chewing gum, and that some people didn't look like they were athletes who were playing. How could this be a sport? But in God's sovereign plan, somehow my family has turned into a baseball family. And honestly, I did not do it. But my kids love baseball, and even my wife loves baseball. Now, you know what I've noticed about how my wife has come to love baseball? It's because we talk about it all the time. And so my sons are playing, and so now we talk about this position, that position, that play. And suddenly I need to see my wife. She's like, well, I'm starting to be interested. Well, tell me why. What does that mean? Oftentimes, I may have found this. Maybe when you got married or someone in your family was interested in something you weren't interested in, and actually now you're really passionate about it. How did that happen? Because you were talking to them about it, and they were telling you how great it was, and they were trying to get you to try it, and somehow your, your mind changed, and your heart changed, and suddenly you were passionate about things that before you were never passionate about. It happens through conversation. And so here's my little homework for you. I know I use the H word in summertime, but just this is very simple. If we worship Jesus by using our time, spending our time to actually discover that he is a treasure, what I have realized is part of me doesn't realize that there's a whole bunch of gold underneath that pile of wood. That maybe you've been in church or maybe you've uh, you know, been around people and you think like, well, I don't know if, like for that guy, it was very obvious there was treasure underneath that pile of wood. But maybe for some of us who say, well, I don't know if Jesus is treasure. I haven't experienced that or I know I'm supposed to think that, but I haven't yet. So here's what I would tell you to do. Talk to someone, have a Jesus conversation with someone who has discovered that he is truly treasure. And so here's the question I want you to ask. Maybe there's someone in your life that you know, they really love Jesus. They, they love it. Like it's a, it's, that's, that's what it's about for them. Ask them this question. Tell me why you chose to follow Jesus. Out of all the choices they could have made in life, they chose to say, this is most precious. This is worth my life. This is worth my time, my energy. And so I, what I want to encourage you to do is take some of your time and ask this question. Maybe your spouse is that person. Maybe a grandparent is that person. Maybe there's another person in this church that you just, you feel drawn to them, and you, but you never maybe sat down and asked them, why did you decide to follow Jesus? Maybe as a child, you want to ask one of your parents, why did you decide to follow Jesus? It's a Jesus conversation that begins to make us realize, maybe there's treasure sitting here right in front of me, and I never knew it. Why would you do this? Why would you take the risk maybe to ask somebody? And even if you'd say, well, yeah, I know I'm a Christian. But sometimes when we ask another person and say, tell me why you chose to follow Jesus, 
it does something in our heart. We actually find that he is even more valuable and beautiful than we ever thought. Many of you hang out together on weekends, friends, you hang out, and we're Christians, but we don't ever have these conversations with each other. We don't ever stop to say, tell me why you chose to follow Jesus. Of all the choices you had in life, why did you choose this? And maybe you think you know, but oftentimes I've been surprised by the answers that other people have given me. I'm gonna invite Tony, who's gonna come up and do communion for us this morning. The communion table, the bread and the cup, are elements that remind us of the fact that actually Jesus has chosen us. That Jesus chose to love us, that Jesus chose to give his life for us, and that Jesus has chosen to give us joy. And so every one of us, every time we take these elements, it reminds us, it's a tangible reminder that says, of all the choices I have in life, of any place I could have been this morning, I'm here. And I want to choose you again. To end our service, I want to give you a benediction. The word benediction comes from two Latin words, benedicte, which just means good word. And so, uh, of course, when it comes to treasure, there are always good words in here. Let's just open up this box. I know that. Anyway, look at this. There's a bag of gold in here. All right. So now, so my question for you is, any of you have, I know there's someone in here who's actually, it's, bir- it's their birthday today. Who's that? Miles up at the back. Anybody have a birthday in, is it August today? Anybody have a birthday in August? Okay, so anyone who has a birthday in August, you get one of these. And if you had a birthday this year, or will, <laughs> you also get one, unless you're an adult, okay? So, um, Pastor Tony, are you gonna, good to hand these out? So you guys have your boxes that you made, so on the way out the door, Pastor Tony will be there. Don't miss him. He's the one with the bag of gold here. Now, these parents, you just have to decide that it says it may contain nuts, okay? So everything, I'm pretty sure I contain nuts as well. So, um, <laughs> but here's my blessing for you. It's so obvious, right? Like when this thing is up here, everyone's like, wow, it's gold, it's beautiful, and I pull out all this chocolate. It's very obvious to everyone that that's something valuable. But I want to bless you with that kind of an experience with Jesus that somehow to you, maybe, maybe when you open your Bible again, or maybe you're opening your Bible for the first time in a long time, maybe having a Jesus conversation, that something will happen in your life where suddenly, just like that man leapt for joy and said, this is the greatest thing ever, that you would have that kind of an experience with the treasure that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you receive that? Amen.